Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with the former commissioner of Suffolk County Police Department, and he was the commissioner of Suffolk County Police Department, and that's in New York State, a very big county. And he happens uh, to have been uh, the uh, presiding over the the investigation that started in his last year as commissioner on the Oak Beach, Gilgo Beach murders. And it was discovered as Commissioner Richard Dorman was still uh, in his position with Suffolk County PD. Frank McKay here. Welcome him back uh, to uh, welcome back to Commissioner Dorman. How are you? Okay, Frank, uh, you know, uh, I think you wanted to uh, uh, get into this investigation and how how we uh, conducted the investigation. Well, absolutely. And I think that's that's what everybody wants to hear. And again, maybe you can clarify some uh, some misnomers or some uh, myths out there about how the investigation went. And, and again, uh, let's let's make clear there were two separate investigations it was uh, while you were there that was that was one and and a year after you left uh, and it was taken over by um by chief burke and commissioner weber and before you get into all of that uh, what what is dominic barone's position in the new administration as you left uh, in a year was he still involved with the investigation no the uh, the chief of detectives uh when I was police commissioner, was asked to retire in um, early or late in 2011. So he left at the end of the year uh, with a couple of other chiefs. And he was never debriefed either, uh, which I think was, uh, uh, you know, really unusual and uh, was detrimental to the investigation, in my estimation. He should have been debriefed. I should have been debriefed. But he wasn't kept on. Uh, the administration should have kept him in place uh, while that investigation was still ongoing. And it was still ongoing. We were in the middle of the investigation when I left and when Dominic Verone left. If you could define debriefing for uh, for the listeners out there that are unfamiliar with the term. And, uh, you know, it's a military term. It's a uh, law enforcement term. What should have been done and, and put it in layman's terms? Well, there should have been a sit-down with the uh, old administration and the new, the incoming new administration in a conference room. Uh, everybody uh, uh, sit down and go over uh, uh, the case from A to Z, uh, tell them, uh, you know, exactly what we had done, what evidence we had, if any, uh, where the investigation was going, uh, who, were, who we were working with, which would have included the FBI, NYB, and Nassau County in particular, and uh, brief them, bring them up to speed on uh, where we were with the investigation so that when they came in January 1st in 2012, they would hit the ground running and the investigation uh, would not in any way be stalled. Uh, That never happened. And I think that that was uh, very detrimental and uh, uh, very amateurish. I think they, they really missed the boat by not sitting down with the outgoing uh, uh, people involved in the uh, in the uh, serial killer case. Did the new county executive, the incoming county executive, Steve Ballone, 
asked to sit with you and kind of get your take on what was going on over there. No, that never happened either. In your experience, is that unusual? Wouldn't you expect that that uh, that someone would uh, want to know what you you know and just kind of hand off the baton? I mean, uh, look, President Obama sat down with President Elect Trump, and they uh, they couldn't stand each other, and it, they spent t- a, a few hours together, and I imagine they spent time after that together and, well, and time talking yeah that's interesting yeah that's interesting that you draw an analogy between uh, you know obviously uh, uh the president and the president elect uh, uh sitting down and talking about uh, uh you know uh, the change of uh, regimes uh, is much larger and much more important than uh, Suffolk County uh, serial killer investigation but the analogy is correct uh you know it makes sense to do that uh, this was the biggest murder case, the serial killer case in Suffolk County history. This was huge. And, you know, I had no uh, no problem leaving. Uh, the new county executive coming in can pick his own team. I understood that. I would have had no problem sitting down with the county executive, with the chief of the department, with the new commissioner, and, you know, with the, the people involved in the investigation, especially the de- chief of detectives who was also leaving, who was also being told to leave. So a couple of hours sitting down, going over uh, uh, the issues, uh, you know, as we change regimes would make sense. And that never happened. And I think, uh, you know, that might have set the investigation back and was certainly, as I mentioned, detrimental. If you're just tuning in once again, You're listening to the voice of Commissioner Richard Dormer, the former commissioner of Suffolk County Police Department, Frank McKay, here with the former police commissioner. And he was the police commissioner when the historic day uh, turned up a bunch of young ladies buried uh, in and a lot of them in burlap also you you had uh, you had talked about that. And I think that led a lot of speculation that maybe a, a gardening uh, company or a landscaping company uh, was there. And I know that took off on the internet and, and the involvement of, of Jimmy Bissett, who, you know, later committed suicide. And I know that was the early rumor. He was the early first suspect, at least as the, as the public saw him. I don't know if you could say or not. I know you don't want to interfere with the, the investigation here, but was, was Bissett your first sub, uh, suspect for this? You know, uh, to be honest with you uh, uh, and uh, honest with your uh, listeners, everybody was a suspect. Uh, we had no particular suspect, but with a case like this, everybody is a suspect. But uh, my understanding that uh, Mr. Bishop, uh, he was vetted uh, thoroughly by the homicide squad, and uh, they determined that he had nothing to do with the serial killer case. Um other than that, I don't know what happened with the investigation after I left. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to, uh, if I have information, I wouldn't want to comment on it. Uh, I would hope that you might get that from the new administration. But, um, you know, uh, it was wide open as far as suspects. It could have been anybody. And this is true of serial killers throughout the country. Uh, when, when, when they're found, and when somebody is arrested, everybody, you find people saying, I can't believe it. 
I didn't think, I think they got the wrong guy. Nobody would believe that this person was a serial killer. So this is somebody that's hidden right next door in our communities, was very familiar with Suffolk County and New York City. Uh, that was based on the investigation and uh, felt very comfortable uh, around Oak Beach and Ocean Parkway and Gilgo Beach. So, you know, uh, it's wide open as to who the suspect is. I believe, and you mentioned it, Frank, that he's still out there. Uh, I believe he's still out there. Now, if he's not, he's either dead, moved, moved away, or in prison. But wherever he is, if he's still alive, he's probably still involved in this kind of activity. The controversial name... And I don't know that he is necessarily a suspect as far as being the uh, the the serial killer, but somebody that uh, that I imagine would be a person of interest is uh, Dr. Peter Hackett. And I don't know what your relationship with Dr. Hackett was, but in in one of these documentaries that I watched, his behavior at best could be described as bizarre. And it seemed when he was asked if he had killed these women, he you know, seemed to fake a heart attack or, you know, whatever. And, and then he gave the sign of a cross. Uh, did, did, did you see that? And first of all, did you see the, the scene that I'm talking about? And then secondly, do you, do you know Peter Hackett at all? Look, uh, he, I did see that. Uh, I watched the documentary and I saw that segment. On Hackett. Uh, Dr. Hackett is, in my estimation, is a very eccentric type of very thoroughly by the homicide task force that we had put to get the serial killer case and his um, involvement uh, from what I understand uh, from both the documentary and from the uh, uh, media other media was the Shannon Gilbert disappearance that was the one uh, the first uh, case where the young lady uh, came out from New York City to Oak Beach and disappeared that night of May 1st, 2010. And that's where uh, Dr. Hackett's involvement was. Yeah, we lost you again. I'm so I'm so sorry to the listeners here. Disconnected for a moment there. Uh, so anyway, you you mentioned about, uh, about Hackett. Uh, did you know Hackett? No, no, I didn't know him. I never met the man. All I know is what I read about in the media and watching doc the documentary and, you know, being briefed by the uh, task force that investigated him and all the people in Oak Beach and Gilgo Beach. So uh, that's the information I have on, on Dr. Hackett. I think I mentioned earlier, uh, I believe he's a very eccentric type of person. And so uh, but for his involvement in the Gilgo Beach serial killer case, I think he was eliminated. My understanding is that he was not uh, viewed as a suspect. Joseph Brewer is is a name, and because of his hiring of Shannon, Shannon Gilbert, and again, I'm not laying this on jo, uh, Joseph Brewer. I don't know him. I don't know what happened, but he hired her. He was the John that hired her as a, a, an escort that brought her there in the first place. That we know to be true. Uh, where are you on, on Joseph Brewer? I... I hear conflicting reports. Uh, one was that he was given a lie detector test and he, he passed. And one is that he was given the uh, lie detector test and didn't 
pass and was uh, was originally told to the press that he passed. Uh, where where are you on that? Uh, can you share that with us? Well, uh, yeah, I think it's public knowledge anyway, Frank. Yeah. Uh, Joe Brewer was very cooperative when the police were uh, investigating the disappearance of Shannon Gilbert. She was the prostitute that showed up at his house, uh, and and that search for her, uh, you know, resulted in the discovery of the other remains. He was very cooperative with the police. He allowed the search of his house, of his vehicle. He voluntarily took a polygraph test, which he passed. And in our estimation, he had nothing to do with the serial killer uh, case. He was not a serial killer. And uh, we also determined that uh, he did not uh, contribute to the demise of uh, Shannon Gilbert. She uh, left his residence and ran into that swamp area was overcome by the elements. And, um, you know, there's about 400 acres of swampy, uh, nasty, wet terrain that uh, she stumbled through. And eventually that's where we found her. So uh, Brewer was very cooperative, as I mentioned, and uh, was eliminated as a also uh, in the involvement in the serial killer case. The M.O., he was involved with uh, a sex worker, with a prostitute, but it was a different M.O. from these girls that were involved with, uh, which turned out to be the serial killer. She had a driver come to the house. These girls met a stranger and uh, without a driver, without a companion, a completely different M.O., I, yeah, I think that's helpful. I mean, that's uh, that's interesting, and I've never uh, heard it put uh, that way. And uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, I'd have to, um, I certainly take you at your word on that. But how about the death of of Shannon Gilbert? I mean, it did what? How did she die? In your estimation? And from the information that I had from uh, the medical examiner. And from the uh, investigators that, uh, you know, found her uh, remains was that she was overcome by the elements. It was uh, nasty, cold, uh, May 30th. Uh, the elements are very harsh. And she ran into like a mile and a half into that area and became overcome that night with the elements and uh, succumbed. And that's how she uh, passed away. Now, when her when her remains were found, there was very little of the remains left other than uh, uh, skeleton, uh, unfortunately. So it was very difficult for the medical examiner to determine the exact cause of death, which, of course, uh, raised all sorts of uh, conspiracy theories and other questions. But our estimation, and I'm talking about the experts that were involved in the investigation, is that she was all lost you again uh it, it, the last thing we heard was uh it, people involved in the ad, uh, investigation said she was what uh that she was she became overcome by the elements when she ran into that swampy area she went a mile and a half uh, into that area and uh, became overcome and passed away uh there was nobody in there with her uh, that's the determination uh, from the investigation, and I would stand by that. Okay. Well, what about the reports that she went? To, I think it was Gus Coletti, right? You know, Gus Coletti is right. Um, 
uh, that he she had run to him and said that I, according to Coletti, that they are trying to kill me. They're trying to kill me. Like in other words, more than one. And uh, and also, there was a nine one one call. Was there not? Uh, yes, she made a nine one one call. Uh, it started in Brewer's house, and then uh, she was still on the phone when she ran from the house and knocked on uh, uh, Mister Coletti's door, doorway. Um, you know the conversation. Uh, which was taped, a 911 call that she made, was never released, uh, Frank. And, um, uh, you know, now that that, uh, that case is closed by the police department, I would, uh, I would think that it might be time to release that tape, that 911 tape, so that, the, you know, the public could hear it. And also it would indicate that the police department uh, wasn't covering up something because they're really not, not covering up anything. It's just uh, because they're not releasing the tape. It appears that way to uh, the media and the public. So uh, if I was uh, police commissioner, I would probably release that tape. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know why he wouldn't. What would be the downside of him releasing that tape? Uh, I don't think there's any downside. I think, uh, you know, there's so much speculation and conjecture over, you know, what was on that tape. It's, you know, you've heard what was on the tape, some of it. And so I think uh, people are probably wondering why the police department won't release it. Um, you know, it uh, indicates to the public maybe that they're hiding something, which which they're not. I think it's time to release the tape. Well, the the, the question, though, that, uh, with uh, again, without hearing the tape, the words came out of her mouth, they're trying to kill me. Uh, that's correct, right? I well, <laughs> I listened to the tape, uh, Frank, and I, you know, until they release that thing, I'm not going to indicate what was on there. I got you. Okay, but is it uh, the language was? Uh, you're pretty accurate, uh, but there was also other uh, voices on there, which would uh, lend you to uh, the fact that nobody was trying to uh, kill this young lady; uh, they were trying to help her. Right. All right. Well, so in other words, that uh, you think it was drug induced, and uh, and and she uh, Shannon Gilbert didn't under uh, understand what was going on, and she called nine one one and and ran out into the elements and um and and died. Now this is May first, right? Is this when this happened? Yeah, May first, two thousand and ten, uh, and she her body wasn't found till December of two thousand. Uh, either November or December of 2011. Uh, how about Coletti? Um, w- was he a credible? I know he's passed at this point, but uh, uh, you know, I know some people called him Uncle oh, Gus. Oh, yeah, no. He, yeah, Gus Coletti, Mr. Coletti, who has passed away. Um, yeah, he was, um, you know, he happened to be uh, uh, up early that morning. He was going on a trip and when the knock came on his door. So he was very credible. He wasn't involved in any uh, any of the stuff. Uh, oh, I was wasn't su- suggesting that, but he did say yeah, no, that yeah. she said that they're trying to kill me, right? Well, I, I'm not sure that she said that to Mr. Uh, Coletti. Uh, she's, you know, now you're getting into what was on the tape, Frank. I got and, you. Uh, got you. Okay. That, that's why I think, that's why I think it would be very beneficial if the tape was released so that people could hear the full tape, not, uh, you know, not bits and pieces. 
Yeah, very, yeah, very interesting. Uh, and listen, we're we're just about out of time with Commissioner, former Commissioner Richard Dormer. Uh, Commissioner, we appreciate your time here and your candor, and <coughs> uh, you're bringing up a very good point. I don't know why Tim Sini wouldn't release the tape. It's a, a very, very interesting thought. Frank McKay here with the former commissioner. Appreciate your time here. Congratulations on your career. Uh, started from humble beginnings in Ireland, in rural Ireland, uh, Ireland and uh, it, it ended up um, in a uh, the highest spot you can possibly be in your department. And former commissioner, Richard Dormer, congratulations on, on a great career and uh, thanks for, for being our guest today. Okay, Frank. Thank you. Commissioner Richard Dormer, former commissioner of Suffolk County PD, has been our very special guest. And we've been talking about Lisk, the Long Island serial killer, and the investigation surrounding it. Frank McKay signing off. We will see you next time on Breaking It Down. Breaking It Down.